Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston answers some of your most pressing questions. Let's hear what he has to say. Well, guys, it's been absolutely amazing that uh, we ask a question on part of our newsletter where I say, uh, I must ask Mark a question. And and if you've seen me, you know where that comes from. But uh, uh, we've got about 150, 160 questions that were sent in, and I've been somewhat overwhelmed to make sure we tackle them. And so I I spend time really going through each question and uh, trying to figure out, you know, exactly what... Uh, uh, anyone's asking, and um, to give some good directives. Uh, can I encourage you to, to do something if you send in a question? Let me know the age of your child. There's a big difference between a 12-year-old and an 18-year-old and how I would answer that. And so um, uh, that becomes really important. The questions we're going to you know, answer today are, uh, the first one is that my husband and I adopted twin boys and they came mad and it's been 17 years of pain and agony um, help me. How do I, how do I do this? The, the next question is, you know, um, how do you speak truth to a 14 year old girl that's caught up in thinking that she's gay? The next question that somebody said is, you know, my, my son believes that THC, uh, helps him get through the day, smoking pot, cannabis, you know, so how do I, how do I deal with that? What do I say to him? Uh, somebody else asked a question and said, um, Hey, it's it's hard to see that that um, that my daughter, who's fifteen, is dating a young man, and within weeks they're talking about marriage and kids. Um, how do I deal with that? How do I engage with them because they're going pretty fast? Um, another uh, mother asked a question and says, I, I go to my daughter every night to see if she wants to talk and she doesn't want to. And, uh, so what am I supposed to do? And then there's another question that says, I'm a single mom of a 14 year old high school freshman girl. Um, she's been bullied and, and, uh, uh, had a best friend commit suicide, and so now she's just trying to give up on everything. And so how should I engage with her? So that's what we're going to talk about over the next few minutes and and hopefully give you some good direction here that, that applies to everyone. So to the question where somebody said, you know, my husband and I adopted twin boys who are multiracial, and, uh, at three, and we adopted them at three months. They're now 17 and a half years old, and they came mad and it's and angry and it's been 17 years of of just pain and agony, um, you know. And, and and things just haven't been good and and they're they're not doing well uh, mentally. They have IQ problems and learning differences. And so, what am I supposed to do? Okay, here here's the thing. You know, God bless you and your husband uh, who decided to adopt kids and. And help them. That that is an admirable act uh, by itself. I think many people don't understand the difficulty of in uh, taking in kids and adopting them, bringing them into your home, because we get this idea that 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 our nurture can overcome their nature, or that anything that that comes uh, to us will be able to handle. And I think many people, not all people, but many people begin to find out that 
this was a little bit more than we bargained for, or I didn't expect this, or I didn't think it would affect my kids, or I didn't think that it would affect our marriage. And so in the determination to fulfill the commitment that's been made to these two kids of grafting them into your family, I think what happens is people become somewhat discouraged um, because it's not going the way they thought it would, and uh, and that makes it difficult. Let me let me encourage you, uh, mom, on this one. Your kids are going to age out. They're they're going to turn eighteen, and it's going to be time to move on to the next step. And and I think that's where you've got to spend some time coming up with the plan for what lies ahead. The, I don't care what level a child is on, and and where their IQ is, but kids can learn to do right or wrong, and they can learn respect. I'm, I'm convinced of it. I'm, I'm convinced that, that all of us have the faculty to do so, um, because I know that even animals have that. Um, and, and so it, it may be learning how to engage with them differently. And so the question is, how do you prepare them for the next stage of life? And that may be by requiring them to work or uh, volunteer somewhere where they get some outside influence, uh, but do something where they're not just not sitting at home and, and tearing your family apart. And, and here's the other thing that I would in, encourage you to do, and, and that would be to get involved in a support group that can help you. And it's a support group for parents where the adoption has been disrupted in some way, that it hasn't gone as planned. And the second thing I would encourage you to do is to find some weekends away that you can go and get refreshed to come back and do battle again with these kids. And 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 I, as I said earlier, so that you spend some time developing that plan for what's our next step. And I, and I think it's important that you do that. I've never had anybody write me that said that we've gone through 17 years of pain and agony with our kids. And so it's, it's time to start making some other plans. Can I encourage you with this? You know, I, I always struggle with my dad a little bit, um, that he didn't quite give me what, you know, as I look back on what I wanted in life or what I did in life and probably why I ended up leaving home and, and not ever going back and... And, um, but I had this dream and, um, and my dream came probably about six or seven years ago because I've always been kind of angry at him and kind of mad and, uh, that he never was what I thought he could have been. Now it's made me a great dad and, and, uh, and a grandfather, but, but I was always disappointed that I didn't get what I felt like I deserved from him. And so I had this dream that I died and went to heaven and, I got to heaven and I walked through the pearly gates and I saw God in, in my mind as, as Jesus. And I remember this picture, uh, you know, that I had in my head of, of, uh, of how I saw him and, and, and uh, it was in color. And so here I am walking through the pearly gates, whatever those things are, and, and uh, walking into heaven and I see God and I notice that my dad is standing right next to him. And the first thing that I said to God was, why is this SO whatever doing here? And he pointed his finger at me and he said this. He said, Mark, I want you to know something that I've been using your dad in your life to create in you the person that I've wanted you to become. And I say that because I woke up in the morning 
And um, I've no longer been mad at my dad. The anger just left. And uh, I began to realize that, that God is using or had used my dad to create in me who I am. And, um, and so all that sense of loss and anger and hardship and bad feelings, it just kind of left. And uh, can I tell you that maybe that God is using your kids to, to give you some direction, to change you, to guide you? Um, and this is one of those things that's hard that, that, that to, to, to reform you or to deal with your stuff, you know, and you get through it. That doesn't mean you don't deserve rest and relaxation or a respite. It just means that you know that God's working in the process and he hasn't abandoned you. Hey, here's the second question. Somebody said, speaking the truth to a 14-year-old girl that's caught up in thinking that she's gay. You know, I, 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 I'm somewhat hesitant to answer questions about the whole, you know, gay, lesbian, um, LGBT, I, all of it. You know, it, it, it's so overwhelming right now in one sense because I got to tell you that, that a lot of kids are, are saying this and parents are coming to me saying, what should I do? How should I respond? And and I, I think what I would, the, the reason it, I'm fearful is that somebody's going to take something out of context that I say and, and, and use it against me in some way. And, I, and I've got to tell you, whether somebody's gay or not, I really don't care. Um, I can still love somebody because they're gay. I can love somebody because they're not gay. I can, I can love somebody because they love Jesus. I can love somebody who says they hate Jesus. I mean, it, it doesn't matter to me, and it, and it doesn't. And when I say that, it doesn't mean that that I don't believe Scripture and I don't trust that that God's involved in somebody's life. But I just know that that the, the divisiveness of of where somebody lands on this issue becomes so sensitive that the tendency is just to ignore it where you don't get pounded on. And and so anytime I would say anything, I get pounded on by both sides. And both sides is, you know, it, it may be the, the gay community that doesn't like what I'm saying and the Christian community doesn't like what I'm saying. And I'm going, so you're kind of stuck. And, and, and that's that's not what I'm about. I mean, even somebody did a did a show on us once and 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 inferred, didn't quite say it, but inferred that we do this pray the gay away thing at at Heartlight, our residential counseling center. Well, I don't even know what that prayer is, and I have never prayed the gay away of anybody. Um, and I have a lot of kids that I know that are gay that I love them to death, and and uh, and so I, that's just not me, and that's not what we're about. But but it's interesting how people want to tag you that way and almost fight a little bit. And I go, no, no, this isn't my fight. You know, I'm not called to fight about this. I'm called to love these kids that are struggling through things. And so that would be the first thing that I would say to, um, to this mom is that, is that you have a 14-year-old daughter that's saying that she thinks she's gay. Let me tell you the first thing that you need to do is keep the relationship. That's the number one thing. Um that's the number one thing. The second thing is don't eliminate the discussion by constantly telling her she's wrong. Every kid that I dealt with, I'm never, I, I don't tell them they're wrong. I, I'd let that go out the window. I was like, I'm not going to talk about that. What I'm going to do is, is, is make sure you're healthy in the process. The third thing I would say is, is keep talking. 
Just make sure you're talking. And because I hear kids say this all the time, well, I was born this way, or, you know, uh, or I always had the tendency to move in this way, or I was raped by a boy and, and, um, I don't want anything to do with guys, or I want to belong somewhere, or, or I want to have a relationship with someone. And, 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 and if you've listened to me long enough, you know that I believe that everyone is created for relationships. But you know, I think what happens and helps me understand why some of these uh, young ladies are, are saying, you know, I, I think I'd rather go gay and, and choose that than, than, um, uh, then get and be in a heterosexual relationship because these guys are making me perform oral sex or they're doing things to me that I absolutely hate. And in a lot of girls that that I have met with and talked with, and you've heard me interview them and on the radio where I've had kids tell me that they're gay and to explain why. But they say this, if this is what it takes to have a relationship with a guy, then I'd rather have a relationship with a girl. And so I'm not here to debate whether somebody's born into this. I'm not a geneticist. I'm not, I, you know, I, whether they're not, I, whether they choose this, whether they are. That, to me, that doesn't matter. They are where they are. And I just want to make sure that they're healthy more than anything else. And, and, and some of this is, I mean, the, the, the culture's become a lot more, um, has given permission to, uh, for kids to try out anything. And I go, I'm, I'm not fearful of that. They would try out something anyway. But I think the thing that I would, that, that I would want to reign over any of my comments that I ever make about dealing with a child who says that they're bi or pan or, you know, or having gender identity issues or anything, keep the relationship and that becomes important. Here's a second question that my son is 18. He's been diagnosed with OCD with major anxiety and he's on Zoloft and he firmly believes that that pot helps him get through the day. And the question is, where do I get more knowledge so I can give it to him? Because it's difficult to win this culture war. And I and, and so here's a couple of thoughts on this. At 18, he's an adult. Don't share information. You don't need more knowledge. You need to share wisdom. And the difference would be this. If you're having the alcohol uh, marijuana war that, that your child is saying, well, you know, alcohol is more dangerous than, than marijuana. I could tell you this. They're absolutely right. It is. There's more deaths to alcohol than there is marijuana. Um, just look at the, the impact of all that. But I think I would share with them a sense of, of wisdom, which is observation and uh, reflection and experience to say, you know what, uh, this is what I've seen, that you lose motivation. And if you're self-medicating, maybe we need to change your other meds because you can't be doing both at the same time. Let's get you something that is effective. And, and you know, it's the difference between sharing information, which they're bombarded with, or sharing wisdom. Now, the second part of it is this. You know, I, I, I think if your child is, is, is smoking pot, and we're all going to be faced with that with our kids or grandkids one day, if they're smoking pot, then you need to set some boundaries. Because at some point, I, as I said earlier, your, your, your child, your 18-year-old is an adult now. They can do what they want. They can just serve in the military. They can go get married. They can get a job. They can enter into a financial contract. They can smoke pot if they want. Now, under the laws of different states, they can do that. And I'm not saying that's okay. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying they can. 
And so it may mean that you need to have some boundaries. You know, you get to choose to do that, but I'm not going to support you. I'm not going to allow you to do that at home. I'm not going to pay for your car. I'm not going to do all these different things if you're not in support of that. But the tendency that, that most parents have is to look at the action of what a child is doing instead of understanding the reasoning behind it Maybe self-medication, because if your child has been diagnosed with an oppositional um, disorder and has major anxiety, then, then he's wanting something different, and there may be some truth in what he's saying. And so it, it hopefully this flavors the way that you engage with them. And again, as I say with everybody, the relationship is important. Here's another question. Somebody says, it's hard for me to watch and not say anything about my 15-year-old daughter that began a relationship with a guy. He's a nice guy, but the concerns I have is he's not a Christian and he's moving really fast. They're talking about marriage and having kids and all that. Okay, let me let me give you an idea. <laughs> I married the gal that I was dating when I was 15. And so just know that this may be your future son-in-law. There is a possibility of that. And I think it's healthy that you have said that you set uh, boundaries to uh, see him two or three times a week and to make sure you're off the phone at 1030 at night. I don't, I don't think you're asking anything out of the ordinary. And uh, of course, she's not going to like that because she wants to see him more and, and she wants to spend more time and she wants to talk to him more. But mom, dad, it's okay to have the boundaries and it may be looking at her going, sweetheart, let me tell you something. You need to put on the brakes. This is going a little too fast. And it's not like you're getting married tomorrow or you're going to be getting married next year. Let's give it some time. And that way we don't have to have all these boundaries placed around. Let's do this in a really healthy way. And, and if you know me and if you've heard me speak or talk or anything else, I encourage kids to date. I'm one of those guys that feels like kids ought to move in and out of relationships to figure out who they want to marry and who they want to be with and determine the qualities that they're looking for in the mate they're going to pick. And so I want them to experience love. I want them to experience rejection. I want them to see what it's going to be like to do that. And, and so that would be my encouragement. Give her the boundaries and tell her when you're 16, we'll loosen up more if you can follow what we're asking you now. Hey, she thinks she's in love and she might just be for the first time. And that's the reason why she's so pushy to get more time with this fellow that it's a new feeling that she has for herself. But I would say this, whoa, whoa, pump the brakes a bit, sweetheart. You got to slow down. We don't want it to go too fast. Here's another question. I go to my daughter every night to see if she wants to talk. Um, and she doesn't want to. And um, and my point is that it, the question says, I'm trying to keep the relationship strong. So, But she sees it all as rules and doesn't like spending time with me. At least she doesn't act like it. Okay, let me tell you this. If somebody came to me every night and wanted to talk to me and see if I wanted to talk, that doesn't make me feel at home either. Matter of fact, it does this. It pushes me away. So count the number of times that you move toward her and, and set the goal to get her to start moving toward you. And by doing that, it's saying, you know what? I'm not going up every night. I may go up every other night. Or it may be that you just quit trying to push her so much so that she can 
start pulling toward you in some way. You know, you can have a great time together without always expressing in words or feel like you have to teach a lesson. And and most moms want to do that. And this is a 15-year-old girl. And, and you know... Um, you know, I, I think you've got to give her the opportunity to move toward you now rather than you always moving toward her. Um, you know, there's a there's a proverb that says, seldom set foot in your neighbor's home or they will grow to hate you. And so maybe during these adolescent years, you learn this, that it's okay to back up a little bit and not feel like I have to push so much, especially when they turn 15. Here's somebody else says, I've got a, I'm a single mom and I've got a 14-year-old high school freshman girl. She's been bullied twice, best friends, committed suicide. She's on a recovery path, but she's, um, she's studying hard to reach her academic goal. And at the same time, she's not opening up to make new friends. She's not open to society. She's very isolated. And I'm trying to change her belief and view, um, hopefully, that she'll meet better people. Okay, you know, here, here's the thing, and this is this is a mom. Um, she's been hurt, and like there's another proverb that says, like the barred gates of the citadel is is one who has been offended by another, uh, and kids can be mean, and so they've been mean to her, and so she's just kind of withdrawn. You, you know what what you may be asking her to do is to stick her hand back on the hot stove after she's been burned once. And, and let me tell you, this takes time. But, but you know, th- but there's something that, that, um, that's, that's good about this. It's affirming her at the time that she's hurting the most. Um, your daughter was created for relationship, and she wants that, and she longs for that. But she's been hurt, and so, so she's been pushed away, which is the normal response. And so, you know, it... It, it, it could just take a while for her to get through this. And so this may be some of the answers you're looking for, is that maybe you go to another school. Maybe you see a counselor outside of a mom or a dad trying to help a child through it. Get another perspective outside the home, and, and maybe they can help, the counselor can help her understand those feelings that she's experiencing and help her get over it. You know, Find a respite of relationships in a youth group or connect with a small group of other kids who have been hurt also. And what that would mean is you, you, you talk to a counselor and go, do you have other kids that, that have been bullied as well? And if they have, then maybe we can get these kids together and let them talk about their experiences. You know, I hope some of these answers have helped. I'm going to be spending a lot of time over the next few days answering all these other questions. And I mean, there's literally, I'm going to try five or six of them uh, each time, but I've got enough to last me for the next, you know, half year. But I'm going to try to speed it up a little bit where I can get to it. Hey, do this. Go and sign up for our newsletter, parentingtodaysteens.org. It's a newsletter that comes out twice a week, and it is chocked full 
of stuff, information and resources and wisdom that I think will help you in your parenting um, of your teens. And here's the other thing. People hear me say this all the time, that I think kids ought to have cell phones early on at ages, you know, seven and eight years old. So you can teach them how to use the phone. Now, here's the thing that I, that I'm against is your child having access to the internet. And that's pretty hard when you have a kid that knows how to get around everything. But there's a group that's come out. It's called gabwireless.com. They've come out with a phone that um, it, 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 it's a wonderful phone that you can text and take pictures and, and, um, and connect with people within your family where a mom or dad can limit the exposure. It does not have apps and it does not have access to the internet, but you can go and sign up for this phone and give it to your child. I think it's like 90 bucks and you can get $30 off if you go to their website. It's called gabwireless.com. That's G-A-B-B wireless.com. And you just type in PTT30. That's Parenting Today's Teens 30, which means you get $30 off. And then I think it's $20 a month. This is an excellent tool to allow your child to learn how to integrate a phone into their life without being overwhelmed by its influence so that they can continue to be connected with friends, connected with family, connected with you, and learn how to make a cell phone just as normal in their life as a TV. Hey, I I hope this has helped. I look forward to talking to you guys soon. We'll have questions again next week. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us back here on Monday for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.